Today I'm talking with Dr. Christy Galtier, and we'll be discussing our journey toward emotional and spiritual growth. I've known Christy for many years, and she and her husband have a ministry called Soul Shepherding, and their mission is very similar to Unhurried Living. They care for and train Christian leaders with a focus on pastors and spiritual directors. Christy and her husband are both therapists and authors, and I'm delighted to share this conversation on transformation over a lifetime. I'm Jim Fadling, and it's time for I Can Do That. While I'm sharing just a portion of my conversation with Christy today, you can watch the entire conversation inside Replenish. We would love for you to join us in our online coaching and community for women. You can go to unhurriedliving.com replenish to learn more. Well, here's a little about Christy. She's a psychotherapist and a spiritual director for women in ministry and pastors' wives. As a pastor's wife, mother, and ministry professional, Christy offers empathy and wisdom from her experience personally and as a therapist who has spent many thousands of hours caring for people. Christy enjoys speaking, training, teaching, consulting, counseling, and retreat leading with Bill, her husband, as well as recording their weekly Soul Talks podcast. But even more than all of this, Christy is a treasured friend. She has graciously and gently held my heart, my dreams, and even my complaints for many years. I know you'll enjoy her gentle and wise insights. Now, the two questions I asked Christy in this section are these. Here in Replenish, we know we are all about process, and the journey metaphor is certainly in the same vein. How does embracing a long view help us? And the second question I asked her was, you share a six-stage model over the course of your book. Could you share with us a summary of the stages? So that's where we're headed. I'm hoping you will enjoy my conversation with Dr. Christy Galtier. The women here in Replenish know that we're about process. We're about the journey here. And the metaphor um, is something we talk about. So I'm wondering if you can share with us, why do you think the long view is helpful? How does it help us to have more of an expansive view of a journey? I think it's very important because there's two primary things that lead to change and transformation. And that is pain will push us and motivate us or vision will pull us. And the long journey gives us that vision that there's more to the Christian life. So often people who, who rejourney the whole soul and they get the vision of the long journey. Realize, oh, I didn't realize there's so much more ahead. I thought this is all there was. And that's part of what happens without this long vision. We get stalled. We get stuck. We get into kind of that sense of just duty. Well, I guess this is all there is. And it just becomes about kind of grinning and bearing it or just an, an emptiness starts to settle in as we feel this familiarity. And so we need to know that, no, there's so much more, but we need to know how to sense the invitation and respond to the invitation. 
and then to take courage. And we can't journey it alone. We need guides. You know, one of the things that Bill and I love to do, Jim, is we love to get out on the trail. We love to hike. We love to be out in God's creation. And so for our 25th anniversary, we were up at Dallas Willard's monastery class. He taught, he teaches for the D-men students at Fuller. And we were blessed to take that course. And it was our 25th anniversary. And it happened to be a day where we had a break after his lecture. And so we had heard there was a trail to a waterfall nearby. As you know, in Southern California, there's not much water. So we went out, hit the trail and thought this is going to be great. And we got going on the trail and the journey started to get long. And I didn't realize it. I'd signed up for such a long journey and I was getting tired. My legs were getting tired. We didn't have food and water. We weren't seeing people around anymore. It looked like we were journeying alone at this point, started to get kind of dusk. It was not looking like there was a waterfall anywhere. I was seeing like a big wall of cement that like I think we've lost the trail I was just feeling discouraged and so I asked Bill you know can we go back and he loved me well and said yeah let's go get dinner which was hard for him because he likes to reach the goal but he he loved me well then we were back there a couple years later at a conference and we thought hey there's that trail we got some free time we hit it with some friends we went out started earlier had water food but we got to that same point on the trail and it was the same kind of thing for her. And she looked at us and she says, I'm done. I can't do anymore. I need to go back. And I looked at Bill. I'm like, oh no, he's not going to make it again. But he loved her well too. And so we went back. Recently, we were back there again after speaking at a church in the area. And after we finished with that, this is a great way to spend the rest of our, our Sunday. Let's go hit that trail again. This time we'd learned from our previous journeys. We were more prepared. We had food, the water, it was early. But I was shocked when we got to that same part of the journey. I felt the same way. I wanted to quit. I just felt like I can't go anymore. I don't think there's a waterfall here. I think we're lost. There's nobody around. We haven't seen anybody for a long time. I think we keep making the same mistakes. Certainly we're wandering off the trail every time. This doesn't look like a trail. I can't see a way forward. I think this is the end and wanted to turn back. And just then I saw a man who was standing on top of this big cement wall where it looked like you couldn't go anywhere and there'd be no waterfall or trail. And I said, hey, do you know anything about a trail to a waterfall? And he said, yeah, this is it. And I said, oh, well, there really is a waterfall. He says, yeah. And I said, well, how much farther is it? And he says, oh, you're really close. And I'm like, well, is it worth it? And he says, oh yeah, it's worth it. And see, that's what I needed. I needed a guide of somebody who had traveled the trail part that I hadn't yet experienced, who knew the way, who could give me that knowledge and that encouragement. And that's all I needed to continue on. We made it. It was glorious. It was wonderful. And that's the way it is in our, our journey as we have guides who can guide us along, inspire us, show us the way, who know what it is and can say it's worth it and there's more and you can do it. And then like we were, get just refreshed by the droplets of grace at the waterfall. Oh, I love that story so much. And it's fascinating to me that every time in the same spot, you wanted to give up, even though that's amazing, even though you were prepared and you had the drink and the food or whatever, but there was something, it must've been strenuous to get to the point where you were. It was, but it was also that sense of disorientation, a lack of hope. Mm. And that's what we hit at the wall on our journey. On our journey, we're all going to hit a wall in our spiritual life and our emotional development. We hit a wall and more than half 
of those in the church today, when they hit the wall, they bounce back and they settle into one of the earlier stages of development. And they miss that whole second half of the journey that's so transformational. Many of them because they don't know there's more. They don't have that vision of the long in, in your wording. Or because they feel that shame. And they just think, guess I'm doing something wrong. I don't know why it's not working for me anymore. I guess really this is all there is. And they just kind of settle back into that dutiful obedience and, and just say, well, I, I guess there's something more maybe for super Christians or there was something more for the apostles in scripture or the saints, but it's not for me. And that's not true. Right. Yeah. Well, now you're starting to really get in there. So I think we should do that. I, I love that. Let's hold this metaphor of the, the walk and the and that turning back and, and the wall. Um, but let's have you describe these stages so that we can have a, a paradigm for what you're talking about, because it's a, is it a, it's a six stage model with a wall, right? So it's kind of seven parts, right? That's yeah. Would correct. you give us a summary of that so we can have a feel for what you're talking about? I would love to. And yeah. what we did was we really tried to make this easy to remember and put this yeah. in a model that really works well so that you could teach a whole church, a congregation, a small group can go through this and really remember these stages. So we we named the stages with using the acronym of Christ because this is about our growth in Christ-likeness. So the first stage is C, the first letter in Christ, and that is confidence in Christ. That's the first stage. The second stage is H, help in discipleship. The third stage is R, responsibilities in ministry. The fourth stage is I for inner journey. Then S, spirit-led ministry, and T, transforming union. Now, let me just briefly unpack each of those stages a little yes, bit. Yes, please. Okay. So for each of the stages to also help us remember and to just continue to help our vision of this, we've come up with symbols for each of the stages. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell the symbol for each stage and a little explanation because that gives us a good vision of the stage. For the C stage, our symbol is the church. And that's because when we come to confidence in Christ, it's usually through the body of Christ, the family of God. We are being brought into the church, the communion, fellowship, the body of Christ through someone in the church and his body. And oftentimes we find ourselves coming to a church and it happening at a church a specific congregation. And it is to the church also that we're receiving some of those first experiences in our relationship with Christ. Some of those first graces like communion and baptism. We're learning to participate in communal worship. We're at a place where we're receiving prayer. So our experience, our confidence in Christ usually is coming through the body of Christ in in the church. And then after some time there in our confidence in Christ, we come to realize we're called to be disciples. And there's a lot we need to learn. And we start to be hearing and learning about the Bible more, maybe reading the Bible, but we don't understand it. There, it's a deep book and there's a lot of mystery. And so we need some help in our discipleship. So the Bible is our symbol for the help and discipleship stage because we're needing help to be able to understand and learn some of God's commands, his ways, his laws, his truth. And to learn some of the Bible stories, we need help understanding those and, and interpreting scripture. In each of the stages, every stage, there's a specific grace that God gives us. And there's roadblocks or temptations because at every stage we have an enemy who's trying to take us out. And so we unpack that in Journey of the Soul, the unique graces and unique temptations and roadblocks at each of the stages. 
But in help and discipleship, we're needing help interpreting scripture, understanding scripture. We're needing help with learning how to pray. We know we are to pray, but we need help. How do we pray? We know we are to read the Bible, but how do we read it? So we're getting help in those kinds of ways and early understanding and discipleship and help and discipleship. And then after some years in the C and the H stage, we find ourselves growing into responsibilities and ministries, the R stage. The R stage, we come to understand that God has given us unique gifts. These are the gifts that are in scripture that Paul talks to us about. In Romans 12, we rename them as joy gifts, and we, we put some fun titles on them and unpack them a little bit and during the soul more to help people understand the joy of these gifts God's given us. And he's called us and, and equipped us in his body with different gifts. And in responsibilities in ministry, we're learning to embrace our gifts, develop our gifts, and mentor out and use our gifts, doing great things for God. And we're learning as we team with others in the body of Christ, in our church and ministry, that we can have a bigger impact even for the kingdom of God than when we are serving him just alone with our, our gifts solo. So we're, we're starting to use and exercise our gifts and things like maybe we're going out on mission or community service, or we're serving in the role in a church as a volunteer, or maybe even in staff or professional ministry, but we're beginning to understand God's call in our life and develop those gifts. One of the things, though, that can happen there, because remember, there's temptation at every stage, mm -hmm. is that in the R stage, we can get too busy and overly zealous in our service and our responsibilities for God and burn out. And that will hit us at a wall. Or we can over ego identify with our gifts and our service and even the attention that we're getting, uh, the ego strokes that we're getting, and we can get a little bit over ego identified with our gifting and lose sight of our true self and our true life being in Christ. And that can lead to a blowout. If we get prideful, if we begin to think that it's all about us, we can begin to uh, be set up for a, a blowout and that'll hit us at a wall. Or we can get so that we are overly burning out, even on spiritual disciplines and ministry and work and not caring for the inner workings of our soul, not being emotionally honest, not integrating our life. And we can end up at a burnout, a, a spiritual burnout in that way, or a dark night of the soul can happen. We can get a deep deep depression, anxiety can start to manifest, all those can hit us at the wall. Or we can end up in this familiarity, duty, expectation, the expectations of the church, of people making demands on us because of our gifts, pressing in, us not learning to, to take care of our soul, our neglecting our relationship with God. And we can end up kind of going into some doubt. Maybe we're seen as we're ministering with other people that we're teaming with, responsibilities in ministry. We're seeing sanctification gaps. We're seeing other people burn out and blow out. We're starting to get overly familiar and bored with our faith. It's not, it doesn't seem to be working for us anymore. It's not new and exciting anymore. It's gotten old. It's feel like, like an obligation. We're dry. And we hit a wall of a faith crisis or a doubt or what's how it's called nowadays, deconstruction. And we begin to deconstruct our faith. At the wall, when we hit the wall, we identify in Journey the Soul seven different types of walls. And when we hit the wall, the temptation is to exit the church and start exploring or trying to get our needs met in other ways. 
other religions or just non-religion and, and going into um, some new age practices or even some health and wholeness practices that don't involve our relationship with God and nurture us spiritually. Or we can get real rigid and dogmatic and go back maybe to some of the early black and white thinking that we got early on in the C and H stage um, and get very judgmental and very closed-minded. So those are some of the ways that we find people hit the wall and bounce back into one of the three stages, but in an unhealthy way. You can be healthy or unhealthy in any stage. If at the wall, you recognize that the wall is a grace, it's an invitation to do some inner journey work, which is the next stage, then you will, your growth will be catalytic because the wall can be a grace. It can be that wake-up wall or that, or that um, engine, check engine light. Your soul needs attention. Pay attention. There's there's some growth here. There's something God wants to do. And so the inner journey season, our symbol for that is the shovel. Because God wants to take the shovel and soften the hardened soil of our soul. It's gotten kind of hard and crusty in our familiarity, in our rigidness, our black and white thinking in those first three stages. And he wants to be able to open up and aerate the soil of our soul so he can breathe his life into our soul and we we have to take a season we have to set boundaries at the wall to do the inner journey work we have to stop a lot of the ministry even though it's good work even though it's fulfilling in order to make space for this inner journey work this is what a lot of your women are doing in replenish we have to have a quieter season a slower season season to to not have our ego identity so tied to our being I mean, our doing, all that we're doing, our busyness and responsibilities, but our being in Christ, who we are in him. We have to make space for him to come in and uproot maybe that, that fruitful tree that we're so proud of because of its flowers and its fruits, but we've got ego identified with. And God wants to uproot it because he wants us to be satisfied in him. And uh, we need to let him put up some caution tape around the garden of our soul and let him do some new cultivating. He needs to dig down deep and remove maybe some parasitic sins that we're not even conscious of because we've been distracting against them or we've been hiding. And the inner journey season is a time to get emotionally honest with ourselves, God, and another spiritual director, a counselor, somebody who can, a, a deep spiritual friend who's ahead of us on this journey. But we, we need the companionship of somebody who's been through this kind of renovation of their soul because this is the work we're doing in inner journey. And the inner journey work, God will plant some new seeds in the soil of our soul after he's uprooted the, the, and healed the fungus and all of the, the disinfection and uprooted those weeds and things that don't belong because he wants to fertilize our soul to prepare us for the spirit-led ministry season and stage which is next and after some some time some years and inner journey that deep work of emotional spiritual honesty growth and receiving empathy and healing that inner journey season is a real healing season awareness season after you do that then you're ready to go again in spirit-led ministry but not in the same way as you were in responsibilities in ministry you still have your same gifts you still have all the experience but you have learned in the spirit-led ministry season is the sailboat is our, our image, our symbol, because you've learned to float out on the ocean of God's love. You've learned to trust his love. You've learned to be still and just 
let him uphold you and be at peace when there's nothing happening and to trust he's still with you even when the wind isn't blowing. And you learn when the wind of the spirit comes to adjust yourselves and move with his spirit and to let him power you because in spirit-led ministry, your, your ministry is with God, the with God life. In responsibilities in ministry, it's for God. We're busy. We're doing it all in our own strength for God. In spirit-led ministry, we're doing it by his strength, by his power, and for his glory. We've learned to be unhurried in the yes. spirit-led oh, ministry. Oh, this is all of, I mean, the, the picture yeah. you're painting is completely yeah. Yeah. <laughs> unhurried living. In ministry, we're that speedboat, right? We're speeding yeah. all around. Yeah. In spirit-led ministry, we're the sailboat. We're depending upon the spirit. We're unhurried. We're waiting, and we're moving with his power. Yeah. And then in your, your ministries are inner journey, spirit-led ministry, transforming ministries. And that's the second half journey that, that you're leading people in. And you remember your first half and, and, and you're thankful for it and you celebrate it because it was good. And God did such great things, building that foundation of your formation. Yeah. But then now in the second half of journey, you're so excited and enthused about all the deeper, richer and transformative transformation that's real that works. And that's the T stage. And the symbol for the T stage is the wedding ring. Because by the time we hit the T stage, we have, we have journeyed long with the Lord. We have been faithful with him. We have experienced his faithfulness with us in every stage. We have endured temptations. We're no longer dependent upon emotions and feeling and experiences of love. We know how to love and be confident in our love and be faithful without any of that. We've learned to suffer long for the Lord. We have a universalizing compassion for all people. We've learned from Jesus how to love our enemies and bless the ones who persecute us and curse us. We have learned to, to um, know God's thoughts and practice his presence at all times. You know, Bill and I have been married 37 years. I think his thoughts when I'm not with him, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at knowing what he's going to think. And he's pretty good at knowing what I'm going to think. And I, I feel secure in his love in a way I, I could never have early in our marriage and it's the same with God we get this this deep sense of intimacy and knowing and security in God in the transforming union stage but our model isn't linear it's not like stair steps it's a circle because even once you reach the t stage you're you're still going touches back in the the c stage because the temptation at the t stage is to diminish the importance of Jesus in the atonement and we see people at the T-stage mm-hmm. often lose the preciousness of Christ and Jesus and diminish the person of Jesus. And that's why they need that C-stage again to remember it all begins in our relationship with Jesus and our confidence in him, our dependency on him. As we continue to touch back through these stages in our life, we, we continue to grow in greater health in each of the stages. But we always have a home stage that yeah. we're in that God's really mostly deepening us in. Christy's wonderful, isn't she? Having a vision of an overarching process in our lives is important because it can give us a sense of place. We can look back with gratitude and forward with hope. I do hope you'll get her book, Journey of the Soul, and learn more about this lifelong process that we have the joy of engaging. So here's your I can do that for this week. Based on Christy's description, notice where you find yourself along the journey right now. 
How are you encouraged in this season and what are its challenges? Remember, you're making your way forward one small, simple, and gracious step at a time.